Welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name is David Wheatley. We're here to talk leadership in small, bite-sized and practical chunks. Enjoy. Well, this episode, I'm joined by a former colleague and new colleague to Humanity, Jim Marshall. And Jim worked with us 10 years ago. Uh, as a what we call a direct service provider, then went out on a journey into corporate land, which we'll talk about shortly. And uh, this new year, 2024, we'll be returning to the humanity fold uh, to be doing coaching and training work. So uh, welcome, Jim. Thank you, David. I am, uh, as I've said to you before, but just delighted to rejoin the humanity team. Well, tell us a little bit about that. You You left just about 10 years ago, just give us the abbreviated version of that journey that you've been on. Yeah, there are essentially two or three stops along the way, two companies and three real you know, significant job roles. But I had a stint uh, working for a tier one auto supplier, doing uh, traveling literally all over the world, doing training and consulting. And a lot of the work that we did at Humanergy, it just was within one company and all over the world, um, which was you know, traveling a lot with a family is a difficult thing to do, but it's also just a a fantastic opportunity to learn. And then my most recent stint was with a manufacturer here in Southwest Michigan. And I spent time both as a VP of culture and my final year with them was as a VP of operations for a acquisition that the company had acquired a couple of years before. So, and in both of those efforts, there was, um, there was a need for some cultural transformation you know, when looking at survey scores around engagement or culture or however an organization measures it. These were both engagement measures. Then there was some slippage there and a desire to see, you know, what do we need to do as leaders to see our organization be what we aspire for it to be? So it was some really fantastic opportunities. Well, it's we've said to people in the past, if you want to get into this kind of world, go do a couple of years as a supervisor in our manufacturing environment, and that will give you a taste of what some of our clients are dealing with. You kind of took that to the nth degree and first doing some training, but then VP of culture uh, in a manufacturing and then operations director in a manufacturing. So you actually, even though it's about culture, it was really making the machines work. Yeah. Yeah, it was keep the trains running on time. I mean, it was get stuff out on time. It was get the right amount of stuff, lower quality issues, all the safety, quality, delivery cost kind of stuff that most of our manufacturing clients and colleagues are thinking about every day. You said the last two were really about a a new culture. Uh, what what were the elements that that looked like for you as you go in there? What, what was it that you recognized you had to do? Yeah, it's interesting because I was thinking in in about you know us talking today and what brings me back and what have I learned along the way and it reminded me that in one of the very first times I ever got to address the entirety of the team um, at the organization and at that time there were somewhere north of three hundred people in the organization so not huge but you know not not small by any means either um, and as a leader you pick up what's being said around the water cooler. And so one of the things that was being said is who the heck is this guy? And what does 
he's never spent a day inside this organization. So how in the world is he going to build culture? And I thought, yeah, that's a fair question. I should answer that. And so I remember at that time saying, you know, some of you are wondering, how can a guy who's never been here in this organization come in and build the culture? And the idea is, is because I'm not going to build the culture. We are going to build the culture. I may be the champion or I may be the guy beating the drum and asking the questions, but it's really, I said, I took this job because one of the documents describing it said, we need someone who's going to be the coach of our coaches or the coach of our leaders. And I tend to think of myself um, as a coach. And I thought that's a perfect fit. That's the kind of work I would love to be doing. So, you know, that's where that journey began. And it was at least a positive answer to this, you know, question that had this suspicion or skepticism in it. And I think, you know, what I did from there is what really built trust and started to evolve the culture positively. I do remember doing some training with some of the people from that organization shortly after you'd started and saying, oh, I know this Jim Marshall guy. And and they would say things like, oh, yeah, he was on the welding shift night shift the other day. And it was like, well, hang on a minute. So, um, but then the whole energy around, yeah, he just came to night shift to hang out with us for a shift. And we were yeah. teaching him to weld, which he does badly. And and those kinds of things my welds are out in the world and they're doing fine so they're not visible you'd have to hunt but they're out there somebody got a discount on that piece of furniture <laughs> but, but i think that connection and something that we've talked about a lot at humanity isn't it that that you engage people you create a, a culture of empowerment and engagement and you get to know people that's how you bring them along to where you need them to be yeah. Yeah. I don't remember who gave me the idea to go once a month and work a shift. And, you know, I rotated at various locations and I rotated various shifts and um, probably one of the single best decisions I made. So that gets me to the, the kind of uh, another question I want to ask is, you know, you've been away for 10 years and you're coming back to uh, be a coach and trainer at Humanity. So working with a bunch of other clients, what's the, the kind of three main things that you feel like you've learned in that time away doing the real work? Yeah. When I, I knew you're going to ask that. So I spent some time thinking one of my answers that I think is worth saying is I learned millions of things. I mean, I think that we, it's like the wishes, isn't it? My first wish is to have a million wishes. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know that we think often enough about how, every minute of every day is is learning to a degree you know i want to talk about some things that have been pretty monumental and, and significant in what i've learned and you know how i introduce myself if somebody doesn't respond positively and i think well that didn't go over well i'll change that next time that's learning it's this micro learning in a moment and i just wonder if there's not value in some of our human energy community thinking about oh i am learning all the time if i'm not even if i'm not if I'm semi-conscious of it. But that said, what I want to talk about is really the inner life of a leader. And, you know, and the work that we've done together back 10 years ago, whenever we would start thinking about let's let's build from, you know, blank slate, a program to develop leadership. It's not uncommon for us or any other organization or a book to start with how a leader leads themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I think about 
even beyond the last 10 years, what have I really ruminated on? It's been these, I, I coined it, you know, these three I words, identity, integrity, and insecurity. Identity is that question around who am I? Um, insecurity comes like right on, right on the heels of that and goes, well, can I really do it? You know, especially when I start a new thing, I'm a VP of culture. I've never been a VP of culture before. And sometimes we talk the imposter syndrome of like, if they really knew that I don't know what I'm doing, would they really listen to me or do they want me to be here? You know, there's insecurity and the worry around that. Um, and Can then the, they knew what was in my head. Would they truly follow me? Yeah. I, re I remember saying early days, I don't know exactly what we need to do to build culture. Part of that's because it's never a recipe. It's never a cookie cutter type of experience. Part of that is because, I mean, it's a, it's a beast of a thing. It's amorphous. It's complex. It's nuanced. And, you know, thousands of choices made by, you know, dozens of leaders are going to add up to the culture. When that's at the time that we started saying culture is always happening. It's always changing. It's always evolving. It's just, it's changing in the direction we want, or it's changing in the direction we don't want, or it's a little of both, depending on the choices made that day. Yeah. And we were talking in the, in our preamble before this, that I, I use the phrase that culture is a direct reflection of leadership action. And, you know, those actions that people take leader comes in with a bad day, bad actions are now impacting the culture. Yeah. I think that's so true and practical. I've often said character builds culture too. You look at the character of the, call it the central leader at the top, or you look at the character of that team that is at the top, and that will be the culture of the organization. Mm -hmm. And it's canny how true that is. Yeah. And sometimes the characters can be overwhelming with some people that then make others go quieter and and so yeah. that's a leadership lack of action as well right. that drives the culture isn't it so so you, yeah. you said uh insecurity yeah integrity insecurity and identity who am i integrity you know i like the the definition that came out of the speed of trust book where integrity is about person living consistently with their values. And so I, when I'm using that word there, I mean, maybe it's kind of cutesy because it's another I, a word that starts with the letter I, but I'm thinking how often when I'm in a situation where I don't know what to do, or I'm feeling insecure, or where there's some level of scuttlebutt out in the world about me and, um, you know, who is this guy or in early days, another thing that was said is he just some kind of hotshot consultant who's used to walking into the room, being the smartest guy in the room and wowing everyone with his, you know, pontifications. And so, you know, you you hear those kinds of questions and you think like, oh, what do, it leaves? It leads to some insecure. Well, gosh, is that what people really think of me? And if that's so and I let that invade my thinking about who I am or what they're thinking of me in this moment, then I'm not going to be at my best. And it's at that time that thinking about my value, what are my values? My values are to really care about people. My values are to really listen to people. My values are not to try to be the smartest guy in the room um, or to be having some kind of a contest, you know, a subtle unspoken contest about who's the smartest or who can say the smartest thing. So I've been saying to leaders for years, you know, 
you're going to have a lot more tools in your tool belt if you if you can do more than just demonstrate how smart you are by saying something. Mm -hmm. If you can summarize and if you can ask questions, that's two more tools in your tool belt. And ironically, in that contest about who's really talented, when you got three tools instead of one, you look more talented. And uh, if only one of those, you could pick one of those, it's probably the listening because that drives to the others naturally anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, right. So yeah. Yeah. I, I come up with the grandiose title of the chief question asker because when I'm doing my best work, that's what I do. And occasionally I ask a good one. Yeah, um, yeah. I had a client who used to say to me, um, we'd be going through the conversation in a you know 90 minute coaching session. And then there'd just be this moment where I'd ask him a question and he'd be like, ah, oh, that was a good one. You just earned your money. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Said, I'm glad you think so. But, you know, there are those questions where you think like, ah, that's a good one. So I like to try to be the catalyst for that as well. I was sharing with somebody the other day that they're my favorite moments in the work that I do is when you ask a question and you see the person's brain unlocking mm -hmm. and you see that you can physically see that happening and you think, oh, I just asked the right question there because now somebody's going down a path that they weren't going down before that is bringing more clarity, more openness, all of those things. So uh, that's the the thing that fuels me on a regular basis. So that that idea then of identity and living your values and, and firstly knowing what your values are and then living them publicly in, in every way and, um, and integrity, which is doing that, and then um, insecurity, which is you know an interesting one when it goes with those because are you saying address that? Are you saying, you know, live with it? Yeah, I think those three things are a stew that's going on in the minds of everyone at all times. And I have known some leaders who looked so buttoned up. They looked like they didn't have an ounce of self-doubt or uh, what have you. But the longer I go in life and have experience and observe people and connections with people, the more I think even those of us who may look a hundred percent put together there yeah. we're all of us stewing on who am i uh, what are my values that can guide me through the situation and you know i often think of insecurity in one sense it's the self-doubt and in the other sense it's the people pleasing are people going to really be okay with this or are people going to accept me follow me that kind of insecurity can be at play and Usually when I'm feeling insecure as a leader, or I found in these 10-year journey in industry, it's coming back to the things I tell, you know, my my internal talk tape. I heard a leader say, you know, we all have a talk tape and we have to manage it. So it's it's the statements when I say, like, I am, I am a leader who listens so hard that I can repeat back to someone a summary of what they just said. I am a leader who, you know, I may not agree with you or you may not get your way, but you will know I listen to you and you have, I want you to pause and like raise the red flag if you don't feel like I've heard you out. Cause then I feel like I'm not living my values. Yeah. I think that's some of why I've had, you know, great connections with people is because of saying that and then following through and doing it. Well, and the theme with all of those is uh, an inward journey, isn't it? It's it's that, am I trying to better myself? And am I self-reflective? Am I thinking about those things? Am I am I 
paying attention to my insecurities and and looking at where they're coming from am i you know inwardly actually living up to what i've identified uh, yeah. and so it's all about that inward journey what yeah. dog hammershold called the longest journey of them all is a journey inwards and yeah. i always love that because if we're not going inwards then we how do we uh, develop outwards yeah yeah, yeah and you know, and some of the reading I've done over the years suggests that most of us as adults were not not fully developed until sometime into our mid to late twenties. And well, when later I, for some of us. Yeah. <laughs> when I think about my journey in my twenties, how I ask questions about who am I, what am I really good at doing, what do I want to do in the world, and then in my thirties, it was a different. Kind, you know, I was starting to get answers to some of those questions. And now in my 40s, it also feels different to ask questions about who am I? You know, nowadays I can say, well, I was a VP of culture. I almost don't want, I almost am wary of, uh, you know, some type of unhelpful, like self-importance that comes from like, oh, I had a, a VP title and what does that mean? Um, or how am I resting on that? And I really want to kind of, in my goals and aspirations, I want to shed titles because I don't think those mean a whole lot and want to return back to the fundamentals of who am I? What am I? What's my true purpose? What am I really good at doing in the world? What are my values and how do I live those out and let that, you know, let the chips fall where they may. It's worked out pretty well in 20 some years of career. Which then lands you back at humanity. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and uh, um, you know, there's that thing that um, people can look at it and say, well, isn't that a step backwards, Jim? I would say that's a return to a first love, honestly. Um, when I was... And a return to a first love while equipped with a bunch of new re- new tools and resources yeah. and thinking and experiences. Yeah. yeah. I had, I joined Humanergy sometime, I can't remember, in my early 30s and spent about six years there and then went out into industry for for 10 i can remember in that six-year period that you know my previous experience was coming from a nonprofit spiritual ministry to college students and when you stack somebody up on paper and there just are inevitable times that you're you're just a person on a resume in our work or you know you're a bio or that kind of a thing and i some former chief human resources officer who's got 30 years of experience is now, you know, offering their services as a consultant and coach. Here's this young guy who's been a nonprofit, you know, director of work among college students. It, I just didn't stack up. And so it was a, it was a wonderful journey. I mean, I really have learned great things. I went on to work with people that I cherish and treasure and have learned so much from um, and we did some cool things. I mean, I think of, man, we worked hard through the pandemic to get things closed down, to make decisions that had no right answer and no precedent, to get things reopened and do it in a safe way and oh, vaccinations. I mean, you the name the list goes on and on of tough, tough in the trench kind of decisions and things that we had to do. And so you, this isn't a uh, a retirement job for starters. You're neither old enough nor, I'm sure, 
uh, you know, equipped enough for that. They've got kids in college. So uh, it's not retirement. You're actually seeing this as, hey, there's a natural next step to be able to use the last 10 years of talent to then provide that support to other organizations, other people with yeah. that 10 years of expanded wisdom. Yeah, my yeah, my best days when I was working as a VP of culture or VP of ops were, or, or I should say, you know, the days I felt most alive and most in the zone and that were the days that I was sitting down one-on-one and coaching somebody, or it was the days where, you know, we as a team were sitting down in a room and trying to hammer out a solution to a problem. And it was the best of, you know, collaborating and asking the right question and making sure that everyone's voice was out on the table. And uh, yeah, I had a leader from my last stint who had joined relative, I'd spent about a year doing the VP of ops job and about six months in this leader joined and she sent the most touching note that just said, I was in a pretty bad work environment and I spent all this time sharing my ideas and being told like, well, I'll have to think about that, which was sort of code for no and just a soft no. And, you know, she said, I, I regained the confidence. I didn't realize I'd lost. And I just thought, man, that's the kind of note all of us, you know, no one will remember how many widgets did we get out and were they all on time or not in 20 years, but we'll remember those connections. So that's, that's kind of the heart of what I think I'm really good at doing in the world and what I meant to do in the world. And so I see this as a chance to return to that first love and focus in on doing work I love to do among the team of people that I just respect and admire the heck out of. So if you're looking for to be a leader that gets those kinds of notes, then you know where to come. We can hook you up with Jim. And um, and looking forward to Jim being part of uh, of our work moving forward at Humanity and maybe appearing more often on the podcast too with some um, smart ideas and some good advice. So thank you for joining us, Jim. We look forward to a long journey ahead. Absolutely. Thank you. That was the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name's David Wheatley. For further information about Humanity, go to humanity.com. Or check out our latest book, What Great Teams Do Great, from all good bookstores. Have a good one. Stay healthy.